Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like when our relationships are safe and comfortable, but maybe not exciting, not wanting to have sex all of a sudden, and when our (laughs) minds and hearts just aren't on the same page. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners, relationship advice people, sexual Mm -mm. counselors, sex therapists. Uh, We are just people who have lived lives um, and have learned a bunch of things (laughs) along the way and want to share those things with you all. Absolutely. We are not professionals. We are not trained in this. So please take our advice as you see fit. We're only here to offer our humble musings so we shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right. So for this week's check-in topic, Sam had the very adorable idea (laughs) of rating famous lines from romantic comedies or like romantic movies. I guess, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, not exclusively romantic comedies, but just like romantic movies in general. So we turn to our good friend BuzzFeed for a list <laughs> of the top 25 um, romantic lines in all of hit movie history, which is like a very tall order. Very uh, tall We're not going to do all of them. We're just going to pick and choose a couple uh, that we think are funny. And we're going to rate them kind of like the way we rate our Instagram relationship advice. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, let's do it. All right. So the first one that I'm going to do is from the 1997 classic Titanic, which we've discussed before, is a <laughs> horror film, not a love story. <laughs> um, Fantastic. It is uh, old Rose talking about Jack, and she says, he saved me in every way a person can be saved. Mm. <laughs> Uh, well, technically that's not true. If we're talking like every single way a person could be saved. Uh-huh, uh, yeah. well, no, I guess like, I guess like he did save her life. He did. Uh, and I was thinking about the roles reverse. No, it doesn't. Cause he did save her life. Uh, <laughs> and also like, you know, he saved her from, the life that she was living too, which she didn't like, right? The the life of like yeah. needing yeah, yeah, to yeah. get married and like being a kept woman basically. So like, I think it's sure. cute. I think we should rate it on like- Yeah, there's layers to that. Is this like a, is this like a helpful thing to say? And also like, is it like a, does it touch your heart type of thing? Heartwarming, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I'm fine with that. I literally was just thinking about the roles being reversed and that damn door that everybody debates about like, and I was, I was in like defense of the, of Jack mode. Mm -hmm. Um, but honestly, I just probably haven't had enough coffee yet. So yeah, I will give this a seven out of 10, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I like it (laughs) on a scale that doesn't exist. I don't know that. Like when I saw the movie, I was like, Ooh, that's the most romantic line of all time. But like, I get it. Yeah. I get that people can find it very romantic. So you didn't really like care about him. That's true. I think it's at the beginning. You know what I mean? Yep. And you didn't see that steamy car scene yet. So like Mm -hmm. post steamy car scene, I'd be like, Oh my God, Jack. 10 out of 10, most romantic thing ever. (laughs) Anyway, 
Um, okay, going on to number two is from the 2020 rendition of Emma, which is like also a book. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a little complicated. <laughs> You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? Yes. Isn't it? <laughs> it is a book. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> but the line is, if I loved you less, I might be able to talk about it more. Yeah, no, I'm a, I'll vote no on that one. <laughs> Sam's making a face if you are not watching along on our YouTube channel. Um, I'm going to vote no to that because it's like, it's like, uh, it's kind of like an avoidant attachment style coming up where like you 100%. do have love. It's a real love. You, you, you have real feelings, but you're kind of, um, it's not that you're, it's not, it's not as simple as you avoiding talking about them. It's that you have these unfulfilled fantasies of them. And if you actually actualized them, yeah, mm-hmm. it would be too much or whatever. Absolutely. So you have to, you have to love them less to be able to talk about it. Yeah. I, I like don't, it's a, that would not be a sexy thing for me, <laughs> right? Like if somebody said no. that to me, I'd be like, it does not touch my heart or other places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would be like, um, I'm sorry. That's a you problem. So figure that out. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, excuse me. You love me so much that you can't talk about it and you want to love me less. Like, okay. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. Don't like that one. Sorry to all the Emma fans yeah. out there. I don't think that is a Jane Austen <laughs> quote, but I could be wrong about that. Uh, all right. So the next one is from one of my favorite movies, Sleepless in Seattle. Um, and the line is, he's on the phone talking to the, the, the radio therapist about his wife who had, who had died. And he says, I knew it the first time I touched her. It was like coming home only to no home I'd ever known. I was just taking her hand to help her out of a car. And I knew it was like magic. Well, that touches my heart. <laughs> right. <laughs> That gets six heart touching points on Out the of five. scale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the scale changes per movie. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And that gets 27 warm yeah. fuzzies. I think it's, no, it's charming. Very cute. It's, it's very poetic. Yeah. Right? You know, on this show, I think we like to talk about the practi- practical side of relationships or, you For know, sure. the. The real life non magical world, but I'm a sucker for a little magic. And oh, absolutely. And sometimes some relationships are just like that, you know. Absolutely. If your if your relationship started with magic, great. If your relationship didn't start with magic, also great, right? right. Like the, all of that can exist, right. but it is fun and and sort of heartwarming yeah. to hear about relationships that felt like coming home to only to no home that I'd ever known before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so the next one is from uh, one of Sam and I's shared favorite movies, which is the Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> <laughs> that's like one of that's up there, right there for you. Oh, absolutely uh, obsessed yeah. when I was and a young person. It's arguably a Thanksgiving and or Christmas movie to me. You know, like because I always watch it around that time of year with my okay, family. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> was there and Christmas Santa, in you know, Middle like, Earth that I missed? Up there with Sauron, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, Sauron is the Santa uh, okay, of so Middle Earth. <laughs> in the scene um, where, okay, if you don't know the Lord of the Rings movies, go watch them. Um, but Arwen, who is an elf who could be immortal, is choosing to not be immortal, right? Mm-hmm. 
uh, to lit to be with her human love, Aragorn. Um, and she says, I would rather spend one lifetime with you than face all the ages of this world alone. Mm. Which again, extreme choosing <laughs> extreme <laughs> immortality or like some you know. dude. <laughs> First of all, Vigo in dude. that movie can be get it. You know what I mean? Opening that door. Oh my god. When he opens the door you know at Helm's scene? Deep and he's <laughs> yes. like I'm like, you're, you're like, about to get Helm's Deep, bitch. <laughs> Helm's Deep in this. Butthole. Yes, exactly. That was, I didn't. <laughs> I was. I was. I avoided that part of the joke, and you just went right there. You just went uh, right there <laughs> in this butthole. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> Two yeah. different words. <laughs> uh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. The fellowship of this ring. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. <laughs> Anyway, anyway, oh, that's a good I like one. this quote and I like this scene and I like the symbolism of it. I, I don't know. I love it. And here, what I love about the Lord of the Rings, the original movies is that like everything is has Liv so Tyler. much gravitas. <laughs> like there is nothing yes. that like if you're not Merry or Pippin, right? Everyone is just talking in the weirdest way possible. So seriously. <laughs> with like yeah. the most seriousness and like watching it now. As somebody who like loved it when I was like in eighth grade, I think is like when the first movie yeah. came out, right? And I was like, "This is the most profound thing ever." And I'm like, "Thank God I watched this when I was in eighth grade because if I was watching it as a 34 year old, I'd be like, why are they all talking like this?'" Uh, okay, so like maybe don't you know? It sucks when relationships are in such extremes, but like I love that scene, and plus also they're like elves in a magical land. I'm just gonna like let this one slide. Absolutely, <laughs> ten out of ten for me. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the next one I'm going to do is uh, the notebook, which I have some very strong feelings about. Uh, so this is when, I don't know, one of the many times that Ryan Gosling is trying to convince Rachel McAdams to like be with him. And he says, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be really hard. We're going to have to work at this every day, but I want to do that because I want you. I want all of you forever. You and me every day. I got to admit something to the JBU world. Like, oh, I got to no. come clean. <laughs> I've never fucking seen The Notebook. <laughs> I have never seen a single minute of that goddamn movie. <laughs> I want you to watch it because I, I really want your take on it. <laughs> Maybe we'll just do a whole Patreon episode of me live streaming. Like, live oh, my God. We should it. do a live, <laughs> a live stream of us watching The Notebook together. <laughs> live assessment of it. Okay, yeah. Um, well, so what do you think about that? I don't know the relationship. I, I know the v- basic understanding of it, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the line is, is it definitely gets me like the idea of like, yeah, we know this is going to be work and I want to do it because I want you with me forever every day. Like I like that. Um, I think that the yeah. general tenor of this movie is like star-crossed lovers <laughs> and like, <laughs> Yeah. He's like very persistent in a way that I find troubling. Um, And so like that piece of it is like, just leave this poor woman alone. (laughs) Like, (laughs) uh, but yeah, Yeah. I, I, I think if somebody said that to me and I was like in sort of a fraught sort of like, 
I'm, I have a lot of feelings about you type of way, it would definitely get me. Like it would definitely win me over. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. When things are fraught, just go, you know, go to the extremes. Tell me, you, you know, on this list, I won't get into it, but on this list is Brom Strokers, Brom Strokers. <laughs> Brom Stroker. I hardly know her. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Uh, anyway, Dracula. And he said, I have crossed oceans of time to be with you. And I was like, wow, that's really extreme because you are a vampire. <laughs> and also, I am turned on. Like, I am so romantically and physically yours. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, last one. Seeking a Friend from the End of the World, 2012 movie with Keira Knightley and um, what is Michael Scott's real name? <laughs> <laughs> Steve. I'm blanking. Carell. There it is. Steve Carell. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, anyway, End of the World, sort of like apocalyptic movie and they're laying in bed and like the world is ending and Keira Knightley says, it wasn't enough time and Michael Scott says it, ne it never would have been, um, which hits me right in the fucking feels, you know, That's time is so one. finite, especially, yeah, especially it, it made me cry when I watched it for sure. Um, because I think of all these quotes, um, the idea that, uh, the one thing we will never have enough of is time together. That's right. And um, I think it's very beautiful. It is beautiful. That's <laughs> In good. In my feelings. I love that we stopped rating them and we just started reacting <laughs> emotionally to them. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, those are just six examples from a list of 25. Maybe we'll do more of this on our Patreon episode. For sure. Um, if you have suggestions, as always, shoot them into our DMs. Uh, yeah, you want to get into the letters? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, our first letter is coming to us from Doubtful, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from the shadowy corners of my brain. Hi, Sam and Sierra. First off, I want to say thank you for all the hard work you do with this podcast. The kindness and insight you share with all of us out here is so helpful and comforting. And listening to you feels like listening to two of my best friends. If that's weird, I hope it's in a nice way. <laughs> <laughs> That's very sweet. It's not weird. I, it's so charming. Thank you. Uh, to my situation, I feel like my question could basically be boiled down to, am I normal in all caps? But because I know, quote, normal is not a real thing, I'll elaborate. I'm 31 and I've been in a relationship with my partner, he, him, for over four years. We live together and we have a dog together. And it is a good, true love. He's goofy, kind, respectful, communicative, and honest. He's not afraid to have intense, deep conversations. And I feel very safe and happy and deeply loved, which is all, of course, great. My concern comes from the fact that despite all the good things I've just listed, I sometimes have doubts about our relationship because one of the things I don't frequently feel is excited. I'm at the point in my life where a lot of people in my social circle are settling into long-term relationships or getting married. And whenever I go to a wedding or hear someone in more or less the same relationship stage that I am in talking about their partner, everyone seems so confident that they are on the right path and that getting married or being together is absolutely the right thing. But whenever I'm asked if my partner is, quote, my person, something that oddly frequently happens, the most committed answer I can come up with is, I think so. 
I think so. <laughs> there wasn't a question mark I think there. So. I just put yeah. one there. So, uh, so that's why there's an exclamation point, so i got to change it to, I think so. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and I feel weird about it. Do I love him? Absolutely. Do I think our relationship is good? Definitely yes. Do I want to break up? Definitely no. Could we be together for the long run? Definitely a possibility. But do I also sometimes imagine what my life would be like if I ended up with someone totally different? Also, yes. And while part of me thinks that is reasonable, another part of me feels like I am betraying my partner by not being totally, completely confident that us being together is the right thing. That I'm betraying him by sometimes imagining us breaking up, not because we're not good together, but because I like to think about what what it would be like to be in a different kind of relationship. Mm. We have talked about being together for the long term, even getting married. Married, and while those conversations don't make me uncomfortable, they also ugh, and I feel so bad admitting this. Don't make me feel particularly excited. Mm. It feels safe and comfortable and nice, but that's it. It makes me sad that I don't feel confident saying, yep, he's my person, that I don't feel thrilled or giddy about the prospect of us being together forever, especially when that seems so easy for other people. I'm at the point where I honestly can't tell if I'm, I should be legitimately concerned about these feelings or if I'm simply falling prey to a grass is greener mentality. I would love to know what you two think. Is my lack of excitement and confidence a red flag situation? Or am I maybe feeling this way because I'm a millennial and we're living through a pandemic and nothing feels sure and everything feels crazy? Is this normal? Thank you so much for reading whether or not you choose this letter for the pod. Like many have said, it's been helpful to write it down and let these feelings out of my brain for a sec. I hope this made sense. Love to you both. All right. Doubtful. Thank you so much for writing. Um, Let's start off by saying you are normal, right? Because what is normal besides a setting on a washing machine? Like you, (laughs) (laughs) these doubts and fears that you're having are not abnormal. Uh, They are just just doubts and fears, right? Which uh, we, many of us experience a lot of the time. Um, But I did want to use this opportunity to tell a story about me, um, which is to say (laughs) that like, I actually know someone who, so my friends got married and they had like a very beautiful wedding. It was like out at like a barn. There was like pizza. It was fantastic, beautiful. They're like in a band. So they also like played at their wedding and it was wonderful. And apparently one of their friends who was there with his like girlfriend of many years was like hearing them talk about their relationship and was like, I will never experience that with this woman. And like, because of their wedding broke up with her and then met this other woman online during COVID and got married like four months later on a Zoom wedding. And it was apparently a, it was a wild wedding. There was a lot going on there. Um, but all that to say that like you are very normal. It happened to this man. <laughs> oh, my God. But like maybe that seems like a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. I was like, I'm glad that I'm not in any and way you t- part of you this story. You chose to write to two strangers on a podcast, which yeah. feels like a little bit less than mm-hmm. a lot, which I think is a good step forward. I think so. I think so. I mean, Absolutely. I wish that COVID wedding folks, I wish them a happy relationship. Absolutely. And also, man, that must have burned. That must have hurt. <gasps> oh, absolutely. Oh, God. That poor, that poor woman that he was dating anyway. when he was like, I will never experience a love like my, these friends have with you. So I'm breaking up with you. <laughs> like, oh God. Oh my God. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Breakups suck. Um, okay. Uh, 
I'm interested, Sam, uh, based on this lived experience, uh, your perspective on <laughs> uh-huh. this letter. Yeah, I mean, well, it seems like it worked out for that person to break up with their person. But I also just want to say that, like, um, I think that there are probably a lot of folks that seem more confident than they are in their relationships, right? Because like, we're not, we're not privy to other people's internal worlds. And so, you know, if somebody asks you like, is your person the person, your answer might be absolutely he is. And then the unspoken thing that you don't say is like, I'm pretty sure, (laughs) or like, I think 75% (laughs) of the time, maybe. Um, so I want to say that, that like, you're not alone in feeling a lack of like, not even confidence, but just like, absolute surety about like relationships, right? Because I think that, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think that lots of folks um, feel a little bit like, yeah, I mean, I I like this person and we're we're doing things great. And like, I really enjoy being with them. And if somebody asks me if my partner is the one, I'm going to say yes, because like what other answer is available to you in this like world of binaries, (laughs) right? Like, of course. Yes, totally. Um, And I also want to say that there's, um, there may be people in your life who are hundred percent confident all the time and are absolutely sure, but that doesn't mean that their relationship is any more healthy or sustainable or viable yeah. than yours is, right? They just are experiencing a different relationship in different bodies. Absolutely. I, I wanted to talk about what you brought up about other people. Like, you know, the letter writer says exact quote, like sometimes it appears so easy to other people mm. or like other people seem so much more confident that they're on the right path. And I just want to like dispel that a little bit because like even me, somebody who confidently um, and excitedly married my wife, you know, mm. I don't, I don't, I don't know if we know we're on the right path all the time. We're just right. all moving towards things at different paces. We're, we're never truly going to know the emotional vulnerabilities, intimacies, struggles of other people because we only present the shiniest face of things, you know, because yeah. it's it's hard to have a nuanced conversation about things like marriage and forever, um, especially in our wedding industrial complex world absolutely where we like things to be like oh my god love at first sight you're my soulmate you're the only person for me and it's gonna last forever for sure absolutely and like the relationship escalator too right like the idea that you mm-hmm. like get on a relationship at like seeing each other and then like you just steadily progress through all of these different things and that's just the idea of like everyone should be doing this and everyone should be really excited about this. And it doesn't leave space for folks who maybe like you are like, I don't know, this relationship was working really well the way that it is. I don't feel like I don't feel excited about the idea of like progressing on this escalator and would rather this just be kind of like a moving sidewalk, right, where we kind of stay at the <laughs> <Yeah>. same level because <laughs> that's really working yeah, for totally. me. Right. Um, and yeah. so. Absolutely. There's there's sort of these expectations that are put on us that make us have these feelings about how we're feeling. Um, and like the the question you have of like, sometimes I imagine other relationships and is that like me being the grass is greener? But I think that you're just acknowledging the fact that there are like other lawns in the neighborhood, right? Like Bitch, you're not saying like- I have the exact same <laughs> metaphor in my fucking notes. I said, I said, it's not that the grass is greener. It's just another yard. <laughs> Exactly. Right. And it's okay to be like, I wonder what that yard is like over there. If you're not like, oh, that yard is so lush and verdant and my yard is so barren and brown. Right. You're saying like our yards are kind of equivalent, but I am curious about what it would be like to look at this tree. Yes, absolutely. Angle or whatever. What if Mm -hmm. I sat on that bench in that person's yard as opposed to the, the log that I'm sitting on here. Right. Like there's 
I think that that's a really fine thing to do, right? It's when we get into the comparisons and say like, oh, everyone else's relationship is better than mine that like things get to an issue. And I'm, and I'm saying all of this because what I, what I'm hoping that this conversation can do is to help get rid of some of these like meta feelings that you're having about the feelings you're having, right? These, because right. then I yep. want you to, I want you to get rid of those things so that you can spend more time in the feelings and intuition about whether this relationship is actually right for you. Right. I want you to spend less time yes. being worried about how it looks for other people or whether you should be doing this. And instead being like, do I like this person? Do I want to continue to be with this person? Is this person affirming me? Is this person helping me grow? Right. And if all the answers to those things are yes, great. Stay with this person. Absolutely. But I think that the, these meta feelings that you're, you're experiencing are getting in the way of you being able to tap into what is in yes. this moment for you in this relationship with this person. Absolutely. Our culture, the wedding industrial complex, our, our society's relationship to marriage, they all pressure us and require us to quote, no, you have to know, mm. you have to know in this very like rom-com romantic movie sort of way where it is, I have crossed oceans of time to yeah. be with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? And while we all are suckers for that and that is okay, you know, um, it, what is bothering you at the core of this question isn't it, do I like being with my partner? It's will my partner and I be together forever or not? How can you possibly know that? How I don't can know. you possibly know that? And so for me, agreeing to, to, to be married was surrendering to the unknown of forever, surrendering mm. to um, a vision, to a shared goal, to the vulnerability of saying like, we want this to work, you know? Mm -hmm. And I understand that part of your question is like, I don't know if I want it to work, mm -hmm. but there is an unknownness in that as well, that you have, that you kind of have to let go of control. For me, I think about, it would another relationship be better? Who knows? It would, it would just be different. It's a different landscape. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think there are some people who would listen to this letter and be like, well, it sounds like this person might be settling into the mundane or sell it, settling into what's safe. But I don't think that's necessarily true. I think it's more about detangling this narrative that we have one perfect partner out there that right. will fulfill us in ways that other people couldn't. And sometimes like Sam said that like, it blurs our ability to process or to comprehend our actual contentedness, our happiness. Like, mm -hmm. what do we want in this moment? Absolutely. When we're, when we are told since essentially we could consume media, we are told that there is this like one shiny night out there or For that sure. love is this passion driven, um, extreme surety, you know, literally like kill yourself over love. How many like Romeo and Juliet, Great you movie. know, how many narratives out there are out there like, uh, I will, I would die for you. I would mm -hmm. follow you through time, AKA notebook, you know, um, that, the, and that sort of surety haunts us when you don't feel that way. For sure. Absolutely. And like the idea that like contentment or satisfaction are not as important emotions as excitement or like ardor or whatever it is, right? Like your relationship can look like you like this person and you don't want to break up with them, right? Like you, you literally say in your letter, I love this person. I want to be in a relationship with them. I don't want to break up with them. And that's for me. Great. 
that sounds like a relationship that can be sustainable, that can go the distance, that can continue. And we've been told that there are better emotions to experience in relationships and that if we're, that things like contentment or safety are settling, right? Or they're not, they're not what true love looks like. And I want to say that like all relationships are different. And if your relationship looks more like I like this person and I don't want to break up with them, that sounds like a recipe for a relationship. <laughs> like uh, that seems to yeah. work for me. It, I, I don't necessarily n- know that it needs to have. I'm so excited about the future that we have, or I'm so excited about the idea of getting married. If you don't want to, if it, you're not excited about getting married, don't get married. That's fine. Keep on keeping on with this relationship because that's what life is, right? It's making decisions every day about what our life is going to look like, what we want to be doing, where we want to be going. And it's okay if that means that you're choosing every day to continue to be with this person yeah. who you love and who you don't want to break up with. Yes, totally. Cutting through the woulds, coulds, and shoulds, and instead just focusing on what is for you in this moment, in this relationship, can help you decide whether or not this man is the person that you want to be with not for forever, not in the big wedding, not with all of the things that we sort of associate with like what love should look like, but whether or not this is the man that you want to be with in this moment for today, making that decision for yourself. Absolutely. Good luck. We believe in you. And thank you so much for writing. Thank you so much. We love you. Spring has sprung and summer is just around the corner. Packing your bag with sunscreen, your emotional support water bottle, and that steamy beach read. But wait, this year there's a new kind of essential that's right at your fingertips. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, spicy audio stories. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And get this, there's a growing library of fantasy series with werewolves, Greek gods and goddesses, Regency era, historical fiction, my absolute favorite, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you will always find something new to explore. Dipsy offers a modern approach to romance through high quality and captivating audio fiction. For listeners of this show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash justbreakup. Dipsystories.com slash justbreakup. All right, everyone. Our next letter comes from Sad Confused, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from anywhere but Pound Town. Hey, guys. First off, thank you for being the friends that give the tough advice that I need to hear. Your insights have truly made me more self-aware and even more emotionally intelligent. I cannot express the gratitude that I have for you both. And thank you for laying your eyes on this letter. I have deep, deep feelings of sadness and adequacy and confusion and would really appreciate any insight you have into my situation. So why is my location set as anywhere but Pound Town? Because I've literally not had sex in four plus months and probably only had sex less than 10 times within the last year. I've been in a stable relationship with my partner, he, him, for the last year and a half. Let's call him Jake. We are both 25. This is the longest, healthiest relationship I have ever been in. 
When we first met, we went at it like rabbits, and it was some of the best sex I ever had. But I'll let you in on a little secret. I've never had an orgasm before, and Jake is the only person who has ever made me feel close to climaxing, but I've never reached that big O before in my life. Sad phase. However, I've just come to accept it and still had sex because I enjoy it and the intimacy I share with Jake. As our relationship progressed, we started having sex less and less. Perhaps it's because I felt more insecure about some of the betrayal I had experienced from him. Catching him, checking out girls in front of my eyes multiple times in real life or on social media, I have a very anxious, insecure attachment style. Or perhaps it's from the religious trauma of being an ex-Christian. I was taught to not have sex before marriage for as long as I can remember. I was taught that having sex with anyone else before marriage is one of the greatest sins and is a betrayal to God and my future husband. I was even sent to a whole ass relationship camp when I was 12 and was taught that kissing boys leads to sex. So fucking crazy. And we went into such depths of what is right and wrong when being in a relationship and being intimate with someone of the opposite sex. Or perhaps it's because I had an abortion at the age of 17 because I wasn't properly taught how to have safe sex because my church and parents didn't find the need to teach it since I was expected to be married by the time I had sex. I feel like I was set up to fail. I feel like I have a boatload of trauma that makes me feel guilty when I have sex. Things especially got worse when Roe v. Wade was overturned. It opened up such deep wounds that I thought that I had already healed. It was such a traumatic time. I had to figure out how to get an abortion at the age of 17 with absolutely zero help, not even from the Mm. guy who got me pregnant, but he did know. I was too ashamed to tell anyone else besides him, and I definitely wasn't going to tell my parents. I told Jake about this past of mine. I've never told any of my previous partners before him because I genuinely trust Jake and believe he is the one for me. I know Jake wants to have sex. I feel so ashamed and disappointed in myself when we are lying in bed and I cannot give him that one thing that I cannot bring myself to do. I feel like I have absolutely zero sex drive anymore. I don't know why. I also feel like gaining 20 pounds since we started dating didn't help either as I feel insecure about being naked. However, I feel so much satisfaction when being intimate in other ways, like cuddling while watching our favorite shows, laughing about the dumbest things together, or when he does acts of service for me. I would be so happy if I never had to have sex again, to be honest, but I've never told him that. He has never once pressured me into having sex with him when he knows I don't want to, and I love him so much for understanding what I'm going through. He's never made me feel bad for not wanting to have sex. So here's my question to you. Why did I want to have sex all of a sudden, especially when I had most of this trauma before entering this relationship? Two, is it normal to go so long without sex? Am I just asexual? Three, what if he is not okay with the potential of never having sex again? I truly don't see a light at the end of this tunnel or any possibility of me wanting to have sex again in the future. I feel like there is something deeply wrong with me for not wanting to have sex with my partner on a regular basis, especially if he's really wanting to. I just feel so broken and inadequate. Any insight and help would be greatly appreciated. I love you both and thank you for in advance for everything you have to say. All right, my darling, thank you so much for writing and for trusting us with this letter. Um, yes, this is so hard. I can feel your anxiety and your frustration and your sense of, um, self doubt, um, permeating in this letter. And I too, I just want you to know that I too have laid in bed with a partner that I love and felt so ashamed and disappointed in myself, Mm. um, for not being able to give that partner what I felt like they needed to be loved by me. I think that's such a unique and, also universal experience that a lot of people will relate to. Um, And I know that it's paralyzing. I know that it is really hard to 
be in this situation. Sex is so fucking confusing sometimes. And it sounds like you're dealing with a lot of sexual conditioning and trauma that you're trying to unpack or, you know, that is unpacking itself, you know the religious doctrine that you grew up in is extremely harmful and permeating in, in all sorts of understandings about human interaction, sexual behavior, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, that traumatic experience that you had at 17 to have to go through a choice like that, to have to find the resources to um, get an abortion by yourself at that time without any support is heartbreaking. And I really feel for um, the young person that you were and the person that you are now still tending to that young young person's wounds, you know. And then also like another one that's a little bit less obvious, but I still see permeating through this letter is an understanding that sex and your value is something that is transactional based on appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm. I want to just point that out as well, because like, you brought up um, your boyfriend checking out other women and you feeling insecure and you feeling like you don't want to be naked in front of you, uh, in front of him. And I just want to say like, um, you know, your boyfriend loves you and his desire for you. um, It's not transactional. It's not like you have to be um, a certain weight or a certain standard or whatever, um, an, uh, an unreal standard of beauty in order for you to deserve someone's desire, affection, love, um, and nor is any of that connected to your worthiness. Um, I know that that is a smaller thread in here, but I really felt like that was, that's part of this narrative too, is the idea mm-hmm. like, um, you know, that you don't look a certain way or that if he looks at other women, that somehow devalues your worth, you know, your beauty, you are allowed to be, or you are gorgeous and desirable as well as other people at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. That doesn't take thing, take away from things. And I know we we are, we are sold lies about that. We are told um, that um, there is only one standard of beauty that, that it is the same for everyone, that it's, it's often thin, it's white, it's able-bodied. Um, but that's not true. Just as diverse as we are in terms of our understanding of relationships and love and our co- confidence behind our relationships, like in letter one, we all have different levels of desire. We all want different things. We find different things beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. and another thing, like, it sounds like your boyfriend loves you. And um, he doesn't want to fuck you or not fuck you because of this 20 pounds, you know, like I, I think especially in my experience, like women get caught up in this idea of having to earn respect, earn desire, earn Mm -hmm. value by looking a certain way, by crossing a threshold of beauty or something that Mm -hmm. we work our whole lives to cross. Right. For sure. And that threshold so like so often we get caught up in trying to cross that, not realizing that there are loved ones around us saying that that threshold doesn't exist, that they love that they love and want us as is right now and would love and want us in a different form, you know, mm-hmm. would love and want us now in the before and the after photos, which are incredibly toxic, by the way. Um, right. I just wanted to point that out. Uh, I know there's a lot of other things to unpack, but no, that's, um, I think it's important to say for sure. Yeah. And I also just want to say a general caveat um, is that I think I'm going to talk about a way in which 
you and Jake talk about your sex life. Um, and you know, and I'm going to talk to you about maybe ways in which you can process some of this trauma, you know, but if Mm -hmm. you never want to have sex again, ever, that's totally fine with me. (laughs) You know, I -hmm. think that we do a disservice to folks uh, who are asexual or, um, folks who just literally don't want to have sex because of trauma or, or whatever we do people a disservice by saying, Oh, well, you just haven't used the right vibrator or you (laughs) haven't, you know, you have to like ease into the vulnerability or whatever. Um, and I'm, and I don't want to do that. And also there are things that I want to say, um, that might lead towards you having sex again. I guess I, we can do both, but I just wanted to acknowledge that what I don't want to do, I don't want you to feel as though I think the only way to solve this is for you to have a sex life because I don't think that's true. Yeah. I think that, I think both of us are more concerned with how are we, how are you addressing the trauma that you have around sex? Not as as with you having sex again as the goal, right? but to like help deal with the trauma that you're experiencing around it. And your, your question around like, why is this happening now? Um, I just want to say that like trauma isn't linear, right? And our healing from trauma isn't linear. So it's not sort of like the big, the big explosion happens and then like the dust settles until suddenly everything is fine, right? It's more like the things happen to us and then our brains and bodies go through a roller coaster of trying to make sense of what is going on. And sometimes we're doing fine and sometimes we're, we're really heightened. Um, and so I, I think it's probably important for you to find ways to, um, talk about and work through some of the trauma that you've experienced, right? This religious and spiritual trauma, this trauma around what happened to you when you were 17, the trauma that you are experiencing being a person in a woman's body in (laughs) the society that we currently live in. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I want you to, to, know that like, this doesn't mean that you are like more broken than you were before this relationship started. Right. Right. It's, it's, that's not what's happening. It's that your body, your heart, your mind are just oscillating through all sorts of different triggers at any given moment that are going to escalate things quickly in one moment and deescalate them in other moments. And, and it doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong or that somehow you um, are not healing properly, but instead say like, yes. yeah, absolutely. This is what it feels like to have trauma in your body, right? It, it comes out in places where it's not expected. It doesn't look like suddenly everyone's like, I'm healed. I don't have to deal with this anymore, right? It's going to come back. Yes. And, and what what can be helpful is to find tools that can help when those, that trauma comes back up in us, right? And finding a therapist that can help you do that can be really helpful. I know that that's expensive, but I do think that that would be, it would be really helpful for you to be able to have someone to help you understand the ways in which these things that have happened to you are sitting in your body and and yeah. sort of forcing themselves out in places where you don't expect them and with people yeah. who you don't want them to, to impact. Yeah. I wonder if this is an opportunity to point you towards... Um, Specifically, well, again, this is, I I feel conflicted about this. I was going to say specifically seek out a sex therapist because like we spoke to Casey Tanner on a interview a handful of months ago and they point who is a sex therapist and they pointed out that like 
not all therapists know how to talk about sex. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like looking for a sex therapist could be an option for you. Right. And, and probably folks that are accredited with the ASECT, that's A-A-S-E-C-T sort of accreditation. And Casey talked to us about this, um, can talk about sex and, and would hopefully have some understanding of sort of sex beyond just everyone wants to have it as much as possible, right? It could probably actually help you sort of have this conversation with yourself about what sex could look like for you or whether or not sex is something that you are actually like never interested in having again, right? And and figuring out what that looks like for you in your relationship with Jake as well. Um, And the other thing that I would recommend is checking out um, Angela Chen's book, Ace, Ace, um, not just because I think you're, you might be asexual, right? Cause, um, I don't know that I'm not in your body and I'm not going to tell you what you are. Um, but also because a lot of the, the things that Angela describes in her book are helpful ways of unpacking some of the expectations or understandings of sex that are not serving us, even if we are people who don't identify as ace. And one of the things that I love, love, love about our conversation with her is that that the idea uh, is that like, you don't have to have an excuse to be ace, right? So if you are ace because you've been through trauma, you're still ace, right? There's, you don't need to like heal yourself out of that identity. And the idea of you can sort of, you can decide to not want to have sex again for whatever reason that you want to not want to have sex again, right? Right. That is available to you. Um, And so I just want to say that that even if you don't want to take on that understanding of, of that identity, right. The identity of like, I never want to have sex, but instead sort of read through that book or approach some of these understandings of sexuality differently and say, I am not interested in having sex anymore because of these things that have happened to me. I do think that like that Angela's book is a great resource for you, regardless of how you're sort of identifying yourself in this moment. I also want to say that like going a little bit back to the idea of like sex as transactional that I brought up earlier, I want to talk about the feelings of um, shame and disappointment in yourself that you feel when you're laying with him. Um, Because ultimately I I want you to talk to your, to your boyfriend. I want you to talk to your partner. Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, Not just because Sam and I think that there might be some stories that you're making up in your Mm -hmm. head about Mm -hmm. what your partner partner might be thinking uh, or wanting, but because I, I think a lot of that shame and disappointment that you're feeling is rooted in this idea that in order to have a fully fledged romantic relationship with someone especially as a woman, it's that you need to provide this for him and you quote, know that he wants this and you're disappointing him. You're denying him. There's this societal story out there that we hear so often of like the prude wife that like only gives blowjobs when she wants something, you know, (laughs) um, and, uh, you're not, I just want to make space for, the reality of like, you're not hurting or denying something from your boyfriend. Like you're not, Mm. he might want to have sex with you. He might be perfectly fine with the, with the time, the, the amount you're having sex. Like, like we don't know. Um, and we, it doesn't help us to speculate number one. Mm. Um, but number two, you know, you're not, this is not like a, failing as as a partner or as a woman 
for you to not have sex with your boyfriend. Mm -hmm. This is you having a fully fledged, complicated, painful and confusing human experience. And you have every right to explore all of that experience in ways that feel safe and nurturing to you, which might be not having sex right now. That might feel the safest to you. Mm. And you, I know that it hurts you to admit that. I know that you are afraid that you're going to hurt him to admit that. Um, but it is possible for two things to be true at once. He may be disappointed. He may want to have sex with you. He may not. We don't know. Like I said, we're speculating. Um, but it's possible for him to say, oh, I really love having sex with you. I like being close to you. And I, I'm going to let you go through this or like, you know, mm -hmm. even if he ha doesn't have like this perfect reaction that I'm imagining, mm -hmm. it's, this is, this is real. This is big. This is hard. This thing that you're going through. Um, I'm just trying to dismantle some of the shame that you have about yourself within your body, you know, and about how your body is perform is or isn't performing. Mm -hmm. um, you're not broken. You are, you are whole even as you become, you are whole even as you figure out all of the ways in which um, your, your life has led you astray or, or like narratives that you have been sold don't add up or are hurtful to you. Mm -hmm. You are whole even when you feel broken, even when you feel like you can't give your partner what you want. Um, you are not, uh, you are not a damaged goods. Um, For sure. I think there's so many narratives out there about sex and performance and delivery. And this, again, this transactional thing that, that really put us in some precarious and, um, unconsenting situations, you know? For sure. Um, this is all leading to me to say, I want you to talk to your boyfriend. Your boyfriend mm -hmm. seems like a nice guy. And you can say what you said to us. Say, I feel really ashamed and disappointed in myself when I'm lying next to you. And I feel like you want something from me that I don't want to give. Um, can you help me carry this? Can you help me dismantle this? Can you yep. help me unpack this? You can say, I don't really want to have sex, but I want to feel close to you. These are the ways that I feel close to you. Mm -hmm. um, and... You know, maybe through these intimate conversations, a pathway back to sex will appear, but maybe not. And that's okay too. Mm -hmm. That, you know, we need to figure out what your boyfriend, where your boyfriend's at at this too, so that you could, you two can find out if this is something that you can navigate together or if it's a core incompatibility, yada, yada. But like Sam and I said, or like Sam said earlier, we're less concerned about whether or not you end up having sex in the future. And we're more concerned about how are you unpacking and healing and nurturing these understandings, these narratives, these about sex that you have internalized. Absolutely. So all this to say, um, sad, confused, uh, Sierra and I are so sorry that you are sad and confused. Um, and we hope that having conversation with your partner, having conversation with a therapist, um, and understanding and dismantling some of these harmful narratives that all of us have eaten up over the course of our lives about sex and what sex is and what sex should be um, can help you find a way to find a path that's right for you. Um, whether that is never having sex again, whether that's having sex sometimes under certain conditions in particular ways, or going at it like rabbits, like you and your partner used to do. But I think what Sierra and I are hoping for you is to find a way to um, 
to disrupt some of these stories that you're telling yourself that have not you that were not given to you consensually, that you are continuing to enact and that others are enacting on you and recognize that it's okay to be who you are in this moment. And it's okay to find a way forward that's going to work well for you and your relationship. Yeah. And read that book. It really did help <laughs> me as well in understanding my own desire, like how it ebbed and flowed and didn't just show up like magically every time I wanted it to appear. Absolutely. Um, it's not just helpful. As Sam has said this under times, it's not just helpful for folks who identify as asexual. It's, it's helpful in understanding sexuality as a spectrum. Absolutely. All right. Sad and confused. Thank you so much for writing. We love you so much. We hope this helps. Our last letter comes to us from cool girlfriend whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from actually not cool. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> Hello. First of all, thank you all so much for taking the time to read my letter. I've been dating my boyfriend, he, him for about a year and a half. We are monogamous. Everything is going great. We are very much in love. He's very affectionate, tells me he loves me frequently and is an amazing listener among many other amazing things. In just a few months, we're planning to move in together. Here's my dilemma. He has a childhood best friend who is a girl, and my brain can't accept this and keeps going into insecure, <laughs> jealous overdrive. <laughs> she is married to someone else, and I have never seen anything to indicate her and my boyfriend are more than just good friends. Despite this, when I hear he is going to hang out with her, I get a pit of anxiety in my stomach and feel insanely jealous. Until recently, in his old bedroom at his parents' place, there were photos of just the two of them together on display from times like prom or vacations they took together in the past. The vacations weren't just the two of them, but the photos were. He talks about how if it wasn't for her, he would just be a hermit living under a rock. I understand that they are good friends and that this is all platonic on an intellectual level. However, whenever I hear how close they are, all my insecurities tell me that my boyfriend is only with me because his childhood friend wasn't interested in him romantically and that I will never be as important to him as she is. This insecurity is eating me alive. I'm <laughs> glad my boyfriend is has this amazing friendship. I know nothing fishy is going on, so I've tried to play it cool and not let my emotions get the better of me. In trying to be the cool, not jealous girlfriend, I've been suppressing emotions and now I feel like a gaping wound because as I fall down, deeper in love with my boyfriend, I only feel more insecure and hurt every time I see her name pop up on his phone with a new message or if I see her comment on a post. My question is this, how can I address this insecurity in myself and move on? Pretending I am not bothered isn't working and my boyfriend is definitely catching on. I believe it's why the photos of him and her are now taken down. In my mind, I know his love isn't limited and this isn't a competition, but my heart doesn't seem to be on the same page. Mm. All right, cool, girlfriend. Thank you so much for writing and trusting us with this letter. Um, I think I literally, I, I chose this letter to to explore two things. The first one is the fact that just because we feel something doesn't mean it's real. But I want to get back to that. <laughs> we'll talk about <laughs> sure, feelings sure, sure. later. Uh-huh. The second thing I want to explore um, that I did, gave Sam literally no heads up about <laughs> is uh, we've been getting a lot of or like we always get letters like this of like, mm -hmm. I feel jealous. Um, I feel insecure. I'm tr I'm triggered by this certain relationship. 
Um, my emotions are telling me one thing and my brain is telling me the other. Literally head and heart work. My heart is telling me one thing, but my head logically knows there's not a threat, but my heart is freaking the fuck out. Yep. Um, and, you know, another reason why I notice all of these letters is this is exactly what I historically deal with in my relationships. Like mm. feeling, you know, my my wife is friends with a ton of her exes and historically presently that has always made me feel insecure and it's something that I've worked on in our relationship to sort of move past which I truly feel like I have at this point and last week or a week or so ago on a different episode we answered a letter a great letter about really the cycle of needing reassurance Mm -hmm. um and need to be told things are fine and we unpacked like how uh, we need to just sort of choose to believe something differently when our head and hearts are at odds. Yep. Anyway, this is all to say um, that conversation and this letter and all the letters we get about this sort of cognitive dissonance that happens between our fears and our logical brain. I I just wanted to I wanted to play this game of like, what would you need for this to not happen anymore? Like what what scenario what does your what is your anxiety asking you for? Right. For him to not have this friend? Right. Because that's not gonna happen. Mm-hmm. I, 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 this is like an honest to God exercise that I wanna do because and this is what I do with my own anxiety when when I when my emotions are screaming at me one thing, but I logically not only know that those emotions are like unfounded or unhelpful or something I don't wanna feel, um, but that they're that they're not true. They're like lying to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not helpful. And I, I don't want to feel that way anymore. So, so, so let's explore like, what could, what could happen here? What do you want to happen here? Cause she's not going to not be a girl, right? Unless <laughs> right? she goes through some identity shift. Right. Right. This, they're not going to not have this history that can't go away. Mm-hmm. Do you want him to not have his best friend relationship? Do you want him to not have this history? Our partners don't come to us with with a blank slate. And I don't mean to be so blunt. In fact, I'm like sort of inarticulate, but I don't mean to be, <laughs> to be so blunt about this exploration. But this is what I've had to do is like, well, what are the other options? And at one point or another, I have to sort of like parent myself out of these anxieties yep. to be like, um, you're he, he, your boyfriend is reliable. This other person is married and they are a, they are a woman, right? Is that, what are we resisting here is what I'm trying to say. For sure. For sure. No, absolutely. And I think, and I want you to hear that and not use that as an excuse to like now feel shame about the jealousy that you're feeling. Right. Cause I think that that's like also part of it when we have these emotions that we've been told are like bad or like negative or like we shouldn't be having like jealousy, insecurity, all of those things. Then, then we like add this other level of shame on top of it. Like, Oh, I shouldn't be feeling this. So what I'm going to do is just suppress it. Right. I know logically I've done the the questions that Sierra has been asking and I know logically. And so now I'm just going to beat myself up for feeling insecure. And what I want, what I think is actually better for us or like has worked more effectively for me is instead of being like, oh, that's an emotion I should never feel. Instead being like, of course, I'm going to feel this emotion. And here's what I do when this emotion comes up. Right. So instead of saying, 
nope, I'm just going to push that emotion down. I'm going to suppress it and I'm not going to feel it. And it's never going to come out because of course it's going to come out. You're feeling it. Like it's yeah. not like pushing it down doesn't make the feeling go away, unfortunately, because if I could do that, let me tell you, <laughs> I would love it. But the fact is that like the, that jealousy is going to keep coming up. Of course it is, right? Like you've been told a lot of stories about the ways in which relationships should look. You've been told a lot of stories about yourself and the health of your relationship. And so what I think will be more helpful for you rather than trying to be the chill girl is to all acknowledge the fact that like, yep, there it is again. There's that jealousy. And what are the tools? What are the things that I'm going to do when that jealousy comes up to help me choose instead of just pushing it down or choosing to act out in a way that isn't helpful or constructive, what am I going to do with it? Where am I like, how am I going to move through this emotion for myself in a way that actually is in, in pursuit of goals or is in pursuit of the health of my relationship? So maybe it is like, Ooh, yep. There's that jealousy coming out again. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stand up and I'm going to walk around the room and I'm going to remind myself in my head over and over again. He's choosing to be with you. He's choosing to be with you, right? Maybe that's it. I don't know. I'm not in your body. I don't know if that's going to be effective. Maybe it is something about like, acknowledging the fact that you are feeling jealous of this relationship and, and saying, I'm feeling a little bit jealous, honey. Can, can I just like get like a kiss on the forehead or whatever it is, right? Like, but instead of start trying to pretend like this emotion isn't happening or that it's a bad emotion, what are you doing when it actually comes up to be able to say, yep, there it is again. Here's the things that I do when this happens. Here are some things that I'm trying out to help me enact this emotion in a way that's going to be more helpful for me rather than pressing it down or or yelling or screaming or getting all huffy when I see her name pop yeah. up on his phone. Yeah. Or like pretending to be the cool, chill girlfriend when you know that that is readable. Like that's as re easy to read as a book, you know, when you're right. like, oh, nothing's wrong, you know? <laughs> right. And remember like shame, shame dies in the light, right? It thrives in the dark. It thrives when we don't talk about it. It thrives when we have these jealous feelings and we tell ourselves we're awful and we don't tell anyone else about them. So what does it look like for you to bring some of this stuff into the light? Not in a way of saying, hey, you need to break up or you need to not be friends with this woman ever again, but in a way that is like, hey, I know that this has nothing to do with you. And it frankly also doesn't really have much to do with me, but this is a thing that comes up for me when I see her name on your phone. And you don't need to change your behavior about it, but I want you to know that this is happening so that you were not sitting in this uncomfortable silence where I'm. you can tell that I'm upset, but we're not talking about it, Right. That's, yes. That is something that can be more effective or at least more helpful than sort of trying to suppress or trying to sit on the emotion or pretend like it's not happening or tell yourself that like someday I will never have this feeling again, which like yeah. is not true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Sam is smarter and more mature than I am. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> so, so listen to him more than you listen to me. But I think- sure everything you said is true and, and has been something that I have executed in my own like journey about issues like this. Um, but I think what I keep coming back to and like the point I was trying to make earlier, um, you know, in a lot of our letters and also like even in my own like therapy journey <laughs> And in conversations with loved ones, like we get to this point of awareness and we kind of stop there. For sure. Um, and, and we get to the point of like articulation. I can articulate my issues to other people. I can, I can tell people what I'm going through. 
And we kind of stopped there. And, you know, Sam is 100% right. None of this is to... Um, Sam is more right than I am. <laughs> um, it's just true in this instance. But what I, I, I have to say this because I keep coming back to it in my mind is that in especially, especially in a situation like this, I want you to be vulnerable and like lean on the support of your boyfriend. I want you to be able to ask your boyfriend for reassurance and have him, you know, say, of course, I'm choosing to be with you. There's nothing going on with this person. Let me affirm you. Like, I want you to have that extra support um, because we need other people. And also in my situation, you know, um, Willow's best friend is one of her exes, honestly, from like almost 20 years ago. So it's not even an issue. But like, man, do my insecurities take every opportunity to like pop up and be like, this is a threat. You're, yeah. you know, you're going to be <laughs> yeah, left absolutely. or whatever. Uh-huh. You know, I could have been jealous of my wife's best friend for the rest of time if I didn't claim my own power in changing my behavior. Um, yeah. And if I didn't hold myself accountable to that power that I do have. Again, this is like Sam said, this is not meant to shame folks who are feeling this way. I am like the queen of shame. I live in shame. (laughs) Um, But in this one instance, somehow I was able to break through um, the buzz and hum and distraction of those insecurities of that shame that said, tamp this down, you know, you shouldn't feel this way. And instead I, I just sort of like shook myself into reality a little, which is that my partner is allowed to have more than one important relationship with me. And that does not, that is not an inherent threat to my relationship, right? My partner is allowed to have, um, you know, in a heterosexual relationship, my partner is allowed to have close, intimate relationships with people of the opposite sex or gender. Um, uh, And that is not an inherent threat, you know, like there are not I had to talk some sense into those feelings that I had been taught forever. Like, again, we see so many, uh, a common thread in this episode is these narratives that we've been told that we, that we all have the power to stop and question, you know? Mm -hmm. And so cool girlfriend, (laughs) what I started this episode with, or this letter with is just questioning you like, well, what could go differently that could make this no longer an issue for you. And I listed, well, maybe he won't be friends with her or uh, maybe she is no longer identifies as a woman or right. maybe she moves away and she, he never, never says see her anymore or, or like what can make this different. But it was a trick question because what makes this scenario different is how you approach it. And I yes. know these feelings are really strong. And I know these insecurities are really loud and I know the fear is so real and also so are you. So is your ability to do something different, to choose something different. Your brain is just as powerful as your heart. And in fact, when they work together, that's that's what it's all about, right? When they work together, when you say, wow, I acknowledge why I have these abandonment issues or these insecurities. I acknowledge why this person is triggering me. And what it's bringing up in me is that like, oh, my God, I feel threatened. I feel scared that I'm going to be left. I feel um, I feel like he can't possibly 
value us both the same, yada, yada, and where are these wounds coming from? I'm going to reach out to my partner. I'm going to use my heart, my feelings, and ask for support, share um, my vulnerable self who is deserving of support and affirmation. And also, I'm going to lean onto my very smart, very powerful, very capable brain that logically knows nothing's going on here and that I'm going to logically unpack the lie that I've been taught that men and women can't have intimate non-sexual relationships. And I'm going to logically unpack the fact that my boyfriend has been nothing but committed, honest, and transparent with me. And I would never want to ask him to give up an important um, life-shaping relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, I hope all of this is coming across correctly because... I always want my anxiously attached community siblings out there to be, to like, we are allowed to ask for support and to have people help unpack our anxious attachment together. And also it was really radical and empowering for me to realize I didn't have to be at the beck and call of those emotions that no longer served me anymore. I think it's the first time that I truly felt capable of unpacking the illogic um, desires of those insecurities. And and we're all capable of that if, if we have the right support and structure below us, you know? Absolutely. And it doesn't mean the feelings go away, right? It doesn't mean that that those pangs of jealousy don't, right? Still, they still come up and there's a much more well-worn path towards handling those emotions or experiencing those emotions in a way that doesn't say I need, I'm the biggest thing in the room right now and you need to tend to me in this moment. (laughs) Right. Like, and instead saying, yeah, actually you are one of many emotions I'm going to feel today. And I have the capacity to be able to move through those emotions and figure out which of these I need to pay the most attention to jealousy. Guess what? I don't want to spend a whole lot of time with you in this moment. I'm going to go spend some time over here in gratitude because that is much more nutritious for me. Right. Yes. You know, I, I just had this, I, this picture of like, of, of ev- the feelings that I could and do still feel every time a text comes up or like the, the person said, like the comment, you know, uh, this is, this is not a very prevalent issue in my life now because of the work I've done on it. But this is all to say, I know how exhausting and time-consuming, this type of fear can be, right? Mm. You always feel like you have to monitor the phone. You always feel like you have to monitor their interactions. How did you hang out? Were you alone? Yada, yada, yada. And once you are capable of harnessing some of these feelings and um, and having some accountability to the, the change that you want to see in yourselves, it's very freeing. It's very... It's, it's so comfortable, um, to be like, okay, my, my loved one is allowed to love more than one person. Mm. And isn't that a beautiful thing? You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Anyway, I hope all of that made sense. And, and more than anything, cool girlfriend, I hope you know that you don't have to be the cool girlfriend forever by yourself in isolation. Um, yep. and that you are, you're already on this journey, even asking these questions, like, Sam always helpfully reminds us all to like not take this as a reason to um, be down on ourselves or be hard on ourselves. Like you are on this journey already just saying, I don't want to have these emotions anymore and I'm still having them, right? I'm still Mm -hmm. entertaining them. Um, Mm -hmm. But you are capable of not only um, reaching out to folks um, 
You're capable of leaning on folks, asking for support, asking for affirmation, all of these things that you deserve, but you're also capable of change. You're capable of doing something differently. Hmm. I know that it feels uncomfortable at first, but soon those text messages are just going to be text messages from someone who loves him. And isn't that a beautiful thing? Mm, Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Cool girlfriend. Thank you so much for writing. Um, We hope that this helps. We love you. All right. This brings us to the blind date segment of our episode. Every show we like to shout at something that we love, something we want to set you up with. And this week we are sending you home with... Uh, a board game. It is called Betrayal uh, at House on the Hill. Um, and it's a really cool board game where you, uh, it's sort of collaborative with each other. The premise is that you are in a haunted house and you are exploring the haunted house. So you like cr- uh, find different rooms that have different things in them. Um, and then eventually what happens is that there's, you trigger a haunt and then that sort of decides what the rest of the game looks like. And there are 50 different haunts that can happen. um, And some of them are that one of you becomes the betrayer. So you get possessed by a ghost or something, or it becomes like a free for all where there are um, creatures that are trying to eat everyone and you're trying to get out safe. Um, But it's like a very fun sort of uh, it's like Dungeons and Dragons light. So there's like, it's cool that there's like all of these stories involved in it. Um, it's cool that it's collaborative. So you're all sort of working together until you aren't. Um, and it's just fun because there's 50 different scenarios in it. Uh, so you can play the game 50 different times and have a different scenario for all of them. Um, and we've been playing it a couple times. Uh, and it's just been, it's been a great game to play with like a group of people um, who just want to like chat with each other and spend time with each other. Uh, so we've really enjoyed it. Uh, and it is called again, betrayal at house on the hill. Awesome. I'm definitely going to buy that for the holiday season. Please do. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at just break up pod. You can slide into our DM, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you could submit your questions about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise. Get those sweatshirts, t-shirts, notebooks, keychains, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, for yourself, for your loved ones. Send them to your exes. Not really, but maybe <laughs> again, all at justbreakuppod.com. Please remember to follow, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review, and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers, giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of David Media, original music, produ- producing, recording, editing, all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out his most recent podcast. Dang, that's weird. And remember, you have the power to change. You have the power to change your mind, change the stories you tell and believe about yourself carve out new narratives that you want to live by you are the architect you are powerful beyond measure and you are capable of doing things differently with compassion and gentleness for yourself and if all else fails just break up